welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. What's up, everybody? I like that. A little background noise. That was uh, John Barklow slamming his fists <laughs> to the ground because he's so excited that I'm officially. It's on, all about world domination, bro. I'm officially on your team. I am not shy about saying it. <laughs> it's about winning everything. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> You've been affiliated with so many teams that are just literally about winning and competition. No compromise. None. No compromise. None. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it firsthand in mass quantities. When we left San Diego, we were like, Andy left to go do something to get ready for the night or something that night when y'all, we all went out in the <laughs> prom bus. Yeah. And uh, like as soon as he left, uh, Jack Carr came up to me and he goes, you know I'm an inch taller than Andy, right? <laughs> It's hilarious. Those guys all have to warm up <laughs> each other. So from a person who never went to their prom, <laughs> that would have been an absolute crazy dream prom <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, that was... That would have been ridiculous. That was a... Uh, that would have been ridiculous. Yeah, really, who cares about prom? If you're having prom... Like, I had prom at 42, <laughs> and that was the coolest prom bus ever. For those of you listening, this is uh, relative to immediately following the seminar and kind of parking lot party that I did at um, Performance Archery in San Diego at Bob Fromm's shop. Um, I had, thank you, by the way, for coming. Yeah. I had several friends that made some guest appearances for me. Um, John, you were one. Andy was another. Trevor Thompson was another. Uh, Jocko was another. And uh, Jack Carr was another. Rogan was another. Um, who else? It's a pretty incredible event. Honestly. Chad Ward. Chad Ward from Traeger. Yeah, Chad Ward. Cranking came. out burgers. and. Yeah, did you see that hobo uh, come up with the shopping cart? Dude, he, you know, that. The guy crushed it. He pushed his <laughs> shopping cart up like he owned it, like he was going to buy a bow or he was an, you know, an archery hunter. He pushed up. He grabbed his burger. He got his you know, beverage. Cut his kill cliff from Guy. He, he did. And, and, and you know, he had his meal, and then he just pushed off yeah, right, right into the abyss. And it yep. was really cool. Like I, He's like, hey, I'm just here to buy like some range tripods. Up. <laughs> Wait, oh, let me just hit this burger first. Chad looks like somebody I should know. And Chad, yeah. oh, hey, hey, big guy. Yep, remember me? I, I think I follow you on here. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, people say that a lot about you because your pi- your profile picture, they recognize you. So I just, you know, I'll, I'll go on record because I've gone on record before, but uh, I appreciate everyone who's followed me. But organically, I have generated over 500 followers with one picture. <laughs> and uh, I, I am going for the world record. I don't I have no idea what it is. <laughs> you might have got it. But I, you know, I, I, I think there's something there. I think there's <laughs> something I could achieve, a, a record I could achieve that like, nobody else has. How mysterious is this man? I want to be I more mysterious like, than Jack Carr. I have to follow him. I want to be more mysterious than Jack Carr. Like, like that, done. That's what I, that's my. People want to be part of <laughs> post number two. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever post number two is. It better be if me it's and me Sika. And my cat. Should it be me like, and my first Sika kill? I, I I don't know, but I'm I'm just telling you. <laughs> you have a cat. You need to stand by for my number two, because <laughs> okay. whatever it is, it's going to be epic. Okay. <laughs> so for those of you listening, uh, his Instagram account is at J Barclow. B-A-R-K-L-O-W. <laughs> he just went up two followers. Yep, I hope so. I get two podcast listeners per week. <laughs> I love all you that are following me. I'm huge fans of you. (laughs) 
Well, this is, uh, I'm so thankful that we can actually do this. Um, it sucks when you're really good friends with someone and they're like at a different place and you have so much in common, but yet you're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> it's been, I don't know how to explain it, but that's kind of how eight, it, eight, nine months in the making of just like a relationship yeah. that's organically started through Andy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was. And it was just like, I mean, I think that's an important message too. People need to understand that the reason I'm at Hoyt is because when I was at Matthews and every time we went to a dealer event and the Matthews guy was supposed to talk about Matthews and then the Hoyt guy had his time to talk about Hoyt, I never bashed the competition. I just really focused on this is where I'm at. This is what, what we're doing. This is our direction and this is our innovation. And there was a lot of times where me and Mike Looper, who's mm -hmm. now VP at Hoyt. I mean, I remember when Mike started, Mike started, I think, working for under Denise Parker in the marketing department. And I was um, one of the regional sales reps at the time. And we saw, you know, I saw him at different events and stuff. And it was always like, hey, man, you got a cool product. We got a cool product. Like, you know, we're just, we're going to go down this road. We have, like, people following us. We're going to go down this road. And you guys make a cool product and wish you the best and blah, blah, blah. And um, I think that's the way you got to do it. And then eventually when I decided to change gears and go a different route, it's like, Hey, lo and behold, guess who the first person to call is? Mm -hmm. The guy that literally was technically my competition the whole time or on the other side of the table the whole time in that category. And it's because they respected the fact that you understood the business, approached it professionally, but also respected that they were bringing something different to the table. Absolutely. And then now that's yep. where we're at. It's like, okay, I'm literally pulling my chair up to this new table, which in about 45 minutes is going to have ribs on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like pulling myself to this table. And then as are uh, many of the knock on nation guys, like I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. They're like, okay, Hey, we've heard about Sitka. I've heard about Sitka. Mm-hmm. But literally your task right now is in seven days, I leave for Alberta, right. six days. Yep. And hunt number one is going to be early season mule deer, elk, whitetail, uh, spot and stock. And then from there, we're going to go into some, you know, early earlier season Western hunts. So... I know nothing. I have a very clean slate. Like I literally have right now I have a closet with like plastic hangers there. Right. And like a doll rod across the top mm -hmm. where like, what is Sika 101? Where do we start? Like, what do I need to know? What do I have to have on this first hunt? Where, and honestly, those listening, there's going to be podcasts because this guy's brain works way beyond this. Like there's there's a lot of tactful thinking to each of these things. Um, probably it's like me explaining archery to people. I probably explain as much as I think people can take in, but there's I could definitely go further. And that's the same with where you guys are at um, with what you bring out, but I mean, where do I start, man? Yeah. What's what's the key things for someone who's literally going to walk to a sicker rack for their first time? Yeah, so, you know, the first thing people need to understand about Sitka Move is Move your mic up a little bit. Yes. And we, we build a system. So we don't build anything. I don't build a jacket. I don't build a pant. I build a system. And if I build a pant... It's to integrate with the system. And yeah. so, you you know, 
the question is why? <clears throat> and the answer is because to get the best experience you can, you want to have all these clothing layers work in conjunction with one another or symbiotically, right? Yeah. So that if you sweat, it's going to move the moisture through all those layers and out to the outside. Yeah. And if you're cold, it's going to keep you warm yeah. so that you can stay on stand or, you know, stay glassing, et cetera, right? Um, so the basis of any SICA system is the base layers. Yeah. And I think it's the the lightweight. And And this year, we have a lightweight merino. So some people are pro merino. Some people are pro synthetic. You know, I've been on record probably going either way. I would say... It, it really depends on the user and the experience. Um, if I'm on a backpack hunt for 10 days, kind of in the middle of nowhere, I'm, I'm kind of pro-synthetic. Yeah. If I'm hunting from a base camp and kind of am able to come back to a cabin or something, I really like Merino. It doesn't stink. Like yeah. anything that can keep your scent down right is, is a benefit. Um, There's so many really cool scientific studies with wool too especially merino oh like high quality yeah. merino um because at the time um even when i was back at matthews we dabbled in merino wool really a, yeah it was called justin charles okay um but yeah we we actually did some merino wool out of new zealand yep and had um quite a bit of studies that were done and there were some pretty interesting cases survival cases yep. specifically about like plane wreckages and mm -hmm. things to where the only survivors were people that had merino wool on and it was pretty interesting so yeah i mean i think you're right there's applications for it but there's also um at least at, the, at least from what i remember there's different precautions as of to care so depending on what you can do for like, if you have to wash and dry, yeah, is not, that different not, now? Yeah, not so much anymore. I mean, we're, honestly, the merino we have and most people have, it it's pretty easy to launder, right? You, okay. you wash it. I mean, I always recommend to hang dry, especially yeah. lightweight base layers. But if you want to put them in the dryer, you can. Um, they don't shrink? They don't. So our merino base layers don't don't shrink okay um most of mine would have fit josh bridges after, <laughs> I, after <laughs> like i could wash it one time and be like okay so i had to so years ago a designer told me that essentially what we've been trying to do as an industry with synthetics is essentially been trying to mimic the best qualities of merino with the best qualities of of synthetic mm -hmm. so what does that mean it's like okay so can we get synthetic to be anti-stink and um you know dry quicker and all these kind of things right but it you're, you're kind of you feel warm exactly you're but you're still chasing merino and yeah. it there's but there's there's the the downside of merino is it's not always quite as durable um it is a little moist or warm uh, uh wetter than than uh, a synthetic but, like, we're starting to blur the lines now to where it's really up to the consumer to decide, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have enough experience that I can say, oh, I'm going to use this in this application, this in this application. But um, for you, like, you guys are going to Alberta. It's going to be a little warmer. It's going to be early season. Honestly, because of the the species you're hunting and you're doing archery, like I would think the merino base layers would be an exceptional mm -hmm. uh, choice for you guys, right? So we have yep. a boxer, we have a bottom, that and we have a top. Worn. I wore right? the boxer. Yep, and they're great. Yep, great. Now the thing I appreciate though that we currently have is a core lightweight hoodie, okay. so it's yeah. synthetic, right? But it's got a hood. And it's got an integrated face mask. And I've gotten to the point where... Before you get there, though, let's talk about the base layers. Because one of the things that I don't know, and I know a lot yeah. of my followers don't know, is what are these things called? Like, it's going to... it's 
this is a learning curve. It's a learning yeah. bell for me. It is, so and it's going to be for a while. Yeah, yep. I don't understand names and things like that. So in regards to those two base layers, what are the names? So what anything the... that has the name core, C-O-R-E, right, core, mm -hmm. like that's core or foundational to any system. So like Within the SICA line. Correct. So like core lightweight hoodie, or in this case, like Merino core boxer, Okay. Like those are like, those are layers that are intended to go directly next to your skin. Like okay. that is literally the foundation. So anything, anything you choose to build as a system, mm -hmm. like goes on top of that. Okay. Right. So Merino so core, core touches the skin. or core lightweight. Correct. Okay. Like, and I think no matter what you're going to wear, if you say, well, I want to wear a heavier weight, um, Merino mm -hmm. or a heavier weight synthetic, that's fine. For your application you should always start with the lightest weight so why is that because that is the most efficient at moving moisture away from your skin so if you think about it if my skin is dry and warm then if I, do i care if the third layer away from my skin is wet or cold no, no it doesn't matter yeah it's what is directly contacting yeah, my skin so the lightest closest. And we designed these things to be very efficient at wicking moisture away, right? So it's all about moisture management. So anything core should go right next to your skin. And then you can continue to build your system from that. Yep. So if I pour a foundation for my house, I pour my footers, I pour my concrete, like that's my core. I can choose to go wider, deeper, whatever, depending on the soil. But core is core, yep. right? So that's what I choose. And then it's up to the individual if you want merino or synthetic for your guys application because you're going to be like stalking in close and this and that the core lightweight hoodie it's got a hood it's got an integrated face mask like that thing is incredible at just like making you disappear mm. like my buddy so we just got back from antelope camp my buddy 54 yards like he's just like crouched down he's wearing subalpine he's in sage and, and kind of broken terrain and these antelope had no idea what he was and he had the hood on the face mask the gloves the bow like everything and he just sat there and they were just like walking around i'm like what's up what's up like what are you <laughs> you know and then he came to full draw and they're still like looking at him like what's up and at 55 yards he like plugged one right and so <clears throat> but my point is it just depends on your application so we don't currently make a merino mm -hmm. with a hood and a face mask so if that's something you guys want, which I would recommend, um, a core lightweight hoodie, but I would run like Merino boxers because mm -hmm. obviously there's more stink. Yeah. And then if you ever needed a bottom, I'd run Merino bottoms, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it just, it, it, it would it would reduce your odor, keep you guys really comfortable. And, and then the subalpine pattern, which I would recommend for going to Alberta, yeah. would be great, right, for that archery hunt that early season archery hunt. And do you make the subalpine in the merino? We do. We do. This is the first year. So, like, yep. if I wanted to go down to my skibbies, like, in that canola, or it gets real dodgy. like You could go for it. Maneuvering around through there. Because there's been times where I've got down to, like, my, my underwear and base layer, just depending on how much you're having to drag your legs and stuff through yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, wool would be extremely quiet. That would be so. Let, so let's go to that next layer, just because you bring it up. So you're hunting canola. It's kind of dry. I'm guessing this is what I'm understanding well, from you, right? Well, the canola will be like green, but it's very intertwined. Yeah, yeah. But then when you get into like wheat or oats or even peas, mm -hmm. it's drier. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean any type of drag is going to be amplified so that depending next, on the material. So that next layer, so let's jump beyond base layer or core, and let's talk your, in because in, you're talking early season, let's talk your outerwear. What pants are you going to wear, right? What 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 shirt are you going to wear? Right. Um, so if you're, if you're in that crop, if you're in that really noisy stuff, if you're trying to get in and maneuver in your archery hunting, the new Apex line, I think is exceptional. So what kind of temperatures you think you'll experience? I mean, you've been up there a while, yeah, so. Yeah, it's normally you're, I've experienced some pretty damn hot weather. Mm -hmm. I would say mid-60s to 
80s. Oh, okay. So Andy and I were in Lanai, right? Yeah. We're wearing Apex, and it's like mid to upper 80s. Yeah. Which is probably pushing the limit of that. <laughs> Swassy. Yeah. Swampy. But what you guys are going to do and, and that mule deer type hunting, yeah. I would say Apex would be exceptional. So super quiet. It's got a light grid back on the on the on the on the backer. It's gonna promote airflow, it's gonna breathe real well, but it's gonna be really quiet. The, my my goal is that somebody doesn't have to hunt in their underwear, right? I mean the reality is base layer's underwear. Yeah. I don't want them to hunt in their underwear. Mm. I think you could keep your apex pants on. You would have knee pads. You would have everything you would want, yeah, right? That's legit. You that's could go legit. down to your socks. I mean, you could do that. Um, if you wanted more durability, which it, it doesn't sound like you want, then I would do an ascent pant, which is yeah. more durable. That's what you're wearing. It is what I'm wearing right yeah. now, but it's more durable, but it's going to be a little noisier, right? Yeah. Probably um, the most universal pant that, I've seen in the Sitka line, by the way. And and one of my uh one of the guys that does a lot of editing and film work for me, his name is mm-hmm. Caleb Copeland. Yeah. He's got those pants and he was actually at my house when I got the very first box from you guys mm-hmm. and I was opening it and he goes, Are those the ascent pants? And I go, Yeah, I think that's what it says here and he goes, I've had a pair for two years and he said that he goes, I literally wear them every single hunt I do. He said they're awesome. Yeah. So I sent a pair to Jack Carr, uh-huh. our friend. Jacques. Uh in Sol- Jacques. Uh he went on a Cape Buffalo hunt yep. successfully. He sent them back. And I looked at him, I said, Jack, did you actually like did you hunt in these? And he says, Yeah, I sent you the kill photo. And I said, yeah, but they still look brand new. And then I sent them on another Cape Buffalo hunt. And if you've been over there, like the terrain, the vegetation so is, is very harsh. phase. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just trying to figure out the textile and stuff. And uh, they came back again. I mean, in fact, quite frankly, these are the exact pants I am wearing. Jacques <laughs> Carr. And Seriously? I, I forget the second guy. Like, dude, and they're, tell me they're not. These look better than mine. They're impeccable, right? Yeah. Um. But if you if you want to get close, if you want to get so for your hunt, I would I would recommend uh, merino boxer, apex pant, core lightweight hoodie, and then you know we can kind of go from there. I don't know exactly the temperatures you guys are facing. Well, fluctuations. We get, the thing is, it's not like it's a pack in. We normally um, we're normally like kind of home base. HQ is normally like a motorhome or something. Yeah, to okay. Where we can return at night. Yep. We can dry out if we need to. Great. Hang. And it's warm enough at night to where you can hang clothes and it'll dry out. But you are you are covering a lot of miles. Like, um, it's different than the Lanai for the sole fact that normally this eight or nine days, I'll normally do just shy of a hundred miles on my gps okay so it's 10 to 10 to 13 miles a day Mm -hmm. on on feet so i mean you're you're moving a lot you're active yep which which helps so i think that calvin so let let's take a the the next step above so we have core base layer we have your outerwear so that's essentially your protective layer let's talk insulation um the calvin active jacket so that lightweight, quiet, polar tech insulated jacket, no hood, mm-hmm. um, is exceptional. So you can go through quiet, uh, or you can go through quietly through brush. It, it breathes super well, so you can be active in it, or it'll also insulate you when you're glassing. Um, that's an exceptional piece. Um, the Ascent gloves, so something you can shoot in, mm-hmm. you can crawl in. Um, and then to go back to the Merino, we have a Merino beanie. Yeah. Which is really nice. Yeah. And uh, if people yeah. like something not, so it's not quite as durable as the Ascent Club, but we make Merino gloves now. Okay. Like they're exceptional, like really nice. You can shoot in them. I'm very sensitive to shooting and my anchor and yeah. all that. Yeah. And, um, Cause you shoot a handheld release I like do. I do. Yep. That's yep. pretty important too, because the one thing that really sucks is your hands your hands get wetter than anything 
it seems like because you're always like touching foliage that's there or even grabbing your gear that's already wet so you know that it's gonna be wet so it's not like you can't have a full glove to where it's massive and it's like restricting your feel yep but in the same sense like with the merino you can feel warm even though it's wet yeah so it's my understanding it's the lanolin in the merino Mm -hmm. that essentially has a chemical reaction that will actually generate some heat right and and i'm not a scientist so i can't fully explain it but yeah essentially everything we are trying to do with synthetics is trying to mimic merino like Mm -hmm. the natural fiber is an amazing fiber right and so we want to make it finer we want to make it less uh abrasive to our skin etc but the merino we have, which is a 17 and a half micron, which is some of the, I think it's the finest that anybody's using right now. I mean, there's other people using it, but nobody's using any finer mm-hmm. merino. Like it's really soft to the touch. Like it, it doesn't irritate the skin. Yeah. Like it's just nice, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel scratchy. It doesn't like feel scratchy does. like the older stuff, right? And even we used to have some older stuff that felt yeah. scratchy. So, uh, you know, full disclosure. So. Yeah, so I would say, you know, if you had merino base layers, core merino boxer, apex pant, uh, core lightweight hoodie, Kelvin active jacket, accessorized with some merino beanies and and um, and uh, gloves. Yeah. And then I don't know how cold it gets up there. So, or if it even rains, but. Well, it'll definitely rain. Okay, so if it rains, are you stalking in the rain? Yes. Because I sent you a bunch of rain gear, right? Yep. You're like, hey, I need rain gear, and I sent you all the rain gear. Sent me three. And I sent I'm, you three, I'm, and I had no explanation yeah, what they I were wish, for. Um, so a couple of them, I looked at them right away, and I thought, okay, this would be great if I was on a boat, if I was Correct. on Alaska, exactly. if yes. I was on the peninsula. Yep. Okay, this one would be great if I don't really think I need to use it, but I need to put it in my backpack every day because I might. Yep. Like if I was, yep. you know. Which is relative, like 50-50 chance of rain. Okay, I need I need a rain suit that's practical, but yet quiet, because it might not be raining heavy enough to where I can't forget about noise. I may still have to remember it. And I'm trying to think which one that was. Like there was... Uh, Maybe the cloud burst. Yeah, because one was like thunder. So we, so we build the storm front okay. rain gear to build... Basically, I call it the guide-worthy rain gear. Okay. Like, it's burly. It's got fully full features. Like, it's not going to wear out. I've got guys in. Is that the one with the full hood that's always yeah. That's always there? Yep. I got guys Where's in. the other one rolled up and was in the collar? Well, no, that's the storm front. So, okay. um, Cloudburst is a little lighter. But the, the, the Thunderhead that you referenced is brushed face so it's okay. it's soft to the touch saddle cloth almost saddle like. cloth yep so if you're gonna put rain gear on a stalk in the rain or stalk through red vegetation like that's what you need yep like the thunderhead was built for the guy who is hunting from a fixed camp he's gonna stalk through wet vegetation say the pnw or up where you guys are in alberta mm-hmm. um you know, and it, it, maybe it's not actively raining, but all the vegetation's wet, and I'm just going to wear the pants. Yeah. You want to be able to slip in and write, you know, even eastern Colorado, right, and make mm-hmm. that shot. Like, that's that's where Thunderhead is is kind of in its in its element. Um, Stormfront is the guide equivalent. So I have lots of guides running Stormfront. They're getting two and three years out of that gear. And then the Cloudburst just kind of falls in the middle. Like, if you're backpacking, if quiet isn't necessarily you know your number one priority like that would be yeah a good thing right so if we go up to well, we go hunt elk mm-hmm. my guess is it's not gonna rain right and if it does it'll be kind of short spurts like yeah maybe we'll bring cloudburst you know but it's not worth it's not worth investing a whole lot of money in in to either it's not like the you're spectrum. gonna deal with it every night at five o'clock no if like, i'm if i'm yeah. if i'm up in you know if i go on this moose hunt in october like I need to bring legit rain gear <laughs> yeah. to, to, you know, I mean, to just deal with potentially getting pounded by rain for, you know, 15 days. Yeah. And you don't want to 
you know, you want to be dry. Yeah. But if, if I'm, if you're hunting, you got, you and Andy are hunting, whatever you're hunting, multiple species. Mm -hmm. Like I would want to put on a pair of rain pants and be able to slip in and make a kill shot, even yeah. if it wasn't raining. Yeah. yeah. So I would recommend Thunderhead. Okay. Yep. hundred percent. I think for the jacket, um, what was that, uh, kind of that packable puffy jacket that you had in BC? It was in subalpine. So without it, the it, hood? I don't know that. But so it the Kelvin like Light hoodie has a hood. The Kelvin Active jacket, which it is was more really like lightweight. It was like a Primaloft, I would guess. Yeah. Very lightweight, super quiet on the outside. So that's a Kelvin Active jacket. Okay. Yep. I would say that. I think I could probably go with the first two. I think I could go with the core. Um I think I could go with that Apex. Mm -hmm. And then I think I could pack the Kelvin Active Jacket. The Kelvin and the Rainwear. And I think I would be fine. Yep. Like with that. You so know, I'll, I'll, like you know, if we ended up whacking something at dark, sun goes down. Right. You kind of have a little bit of an inversion and you're in those those river bottoms and yep. some of that moisture comes up, gets a little bit cool. You know, obviously the more moisture you get, the kind of more kind of cuts into you yeah damp it gets and yeah yeah if i was going on that hunt i would bring a uh, core merino boxer i would bring core merino bottoms even if i didn't wear them i'd carry them i would personally bring a core uh merino zip tee so i'm i'm fully covered in merino now right next mm -hmm. to my skin i would bring apex pants apex hoodie so super quiet, super dope, like dialed in for the for the the apex predator to get in there and get it done. I'd bring a Kelvin active jacket. I bring Thunderhead rain gear, yep. and then I bring merino beanie and merino gloves. Okay, like done. And then we can talk packs after that. But like that's exactly if if you said, hey, let's go tomorrow Which, on this. Everything hunt. you just said. I'm pretty sure I could put in an 1800 pack. No doubt. 100%. And go. 100%. And you're like, well, you're a survival expert. You're confident yeah. like as a hunter going this, you're going to be fine with that. Yep. 100%. And, and you know, if you guys are stalking, um, I, I would bring the Apex pack. Okay. Because it's quiet. It's like feature rich. It's designed specifically to give you everything you need while you're stalking with a bow, especially. Is that the one that has like the bow holder? Exactly. The cam cable and all that. And you can reach back and, and pull your bugle tube out. And okay. All that, that. Right. Yeah. That's excellent. So you're not going to carry meat out with that pack, but no. you're going to be able to slip in, have everything at your disposal that you want. Yeah. Um, and you then should that easily be able to go in on that pack. One, have what you need for a day. Like if you say you do an, some of our walks are all days, be able to yeah. have food or absolutely get out a you know jet oil and make a coffee. Oh or yeah, anything like that. Obviously your calls, and then even even pack to to like field dress, be able to gut something out in hundred percent. Maybe hang yep. quarters. You know, yep. get some. You could easily pack in that thing game bags quarter it up hang, yep. pull it up and then get out and either come back with help or come back with the right pack yep. to actually extract yep exactly it's all about the kill it's all about you know trying to stalk and get that shot um you know if you want to if you want to carry meat you, you probably need to do a couple other things but you know and it's hard for me not to talk about the stuff we're going to do next yeah. year because uh, uh we're getting ready to have our sales meeting next well tomorrow yeah um but yeah it's uh it's a great system it's one i've used been fortunate enough to use for two years now and you know it's worked really well so andy and i used it on lanai and yep. joe, joe i think joe's used yeah, it on joe's lanai used so it in front of me little yeah bastard um it's like hey dude so it's it's, it's been effective it you know it's, he's it's like been, what do you think of this feel it feel it it's wool feel it feel it I'm and like, you know here's yeah, the, here's the reality okay, john it. it's like I don't want to build one pant for everybody or yeah. every application. And um, I, I think what's cool is, 
you know, we can go through a season and maybe have these series of podcasts and say, okay, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, let's dial you in. So we're yeah. talking early season now. This yeah. is early season. If we, we go to elk camp a uh, couple weeks from now, three weeks, I think four three weeks. Three weeks from now. We'll... Like, I, I would I would generally run the same system. But uh, it can but get I might colder. tweak a few things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because it's going to get – and we're going to have elevation. Exactly. Because where we're going, it's mm, – can we get to 7,000 feet? Yeah, 7,000. 7, yep, for sure. Yeah, because I've, I've hunted there before, and um, and actually I shot my bull, like, last night, last day, uh, last little 30 minutes of shooting light, and then, you know, it was f- 3, 4 a.m. before I'm back to the vehicle <laughs> type thing. And, yeah, if you don't – like, that extra layer – it made it especially with like that mist it was raining misty oh, yeah. yep. a lot of wi- like wicking up the sleeve and mm-hmm. you know some of that stuff when you're just dredging through that underbrush where it's just saturated like it's hard to prevent the wicking you know so having if you are wicking having something that then can get that to the outside and then dry from your natural body heat yep and if I'm honest, I haven't really had the, you know, I haven't had the best stuff for that. I just had to learn. I feel like I adapted. Like I literally adapted from trial and error of I can't stay warm in this or, you mm-hmm. know, I need. And one of the things that I did um, with my old stuff was I actually took a lot of clothing from other um, areas of the company. Mm -hmm. So like there were mid layers that I wore that were like from like UA golf. Huh? Interesting. To where there was good, like technical aspects of it, but it wasn't something that could have camo printed on it, I Mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. So it, wasn't in like the ua hunt side and that's what's so that's what's kind of cool about this is like you said you develop every layer to justify its purpose and that's it's a learning curve but i think once people learn it like you you were packed way more efficient than me when we went to bc and the elements I would say the elements weren't much different than like my peninsula bear. Yeah, I would say. Very I mean, similar. and that yeah. and to a lot of people that'd be a very very extreme hunt, right. right? Yeah. But you were very efficient with how you packed. We both we both got through it. And I can't say I suffered, but I also utilize more space. But but I would argue that if and if we were on a flying where if, I had a fifty pound max, south, yeah, yeah, that that's that's when it becomes a differentiator. Yeah, right. Um, I yeah, I, I I've been so fortunate enough to do this for a long time that you know I, we we offer everything from I mean a guy can build a system to go on a desert sheep hunt in the hottest degree temperature you can imagine to a muskox or polar bear hunt and so you know one of the things i'm hoping to do with you is to be able to educate you know the listeners and you mm-hmm. as to like okay here's the basic things you need yeah, and then here's the specialized things you can lay on top yep so you know if we talk about an elk hunt or a moose hunt in in later part of the season, we'll be able to use the same basic structure, foundation, core layers, and then add a couple things yeah. to get you to where you need to go to like, you know, you want to be focused, you want to be energized, you want to be like in the hunt. You don't want to be worrying about I'm cold, I'm wet, etc. Like yeah. that sucks. Nobody wants to be there, right? Yeah. Um and and so it will be a cool journey, I think, for us to to kind of go through that and like bring you bring you on bring you along on that and just oh, yeah. kind of like 
say, hey, and, and then at the end of the day, and I say this a lot, but everybody will have a slightly different system. Yep. And it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's based on physiology. It's based on um, yeah, I sometimes hydration, nutrition, where you're hunting, how you're hunting. Circulation. The only thing... Exactly. The only thing I say not to do is incorporate cotton into the system. So <laughs> again, that core foundational George base layer. George liked cotton. Exa- he did like cotton. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on George Costanza. Uh, but as long as you don't incorporate cotton into the system, and 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 we kind of build this system from the inside out, like you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna actually begin to really enjoy almost inclement weather because you're like yeah i can do this like i can i can hunt it's not a problem that it's not an issue i can't i mean obviously i know it i know it is i know it's possible but i am a cold natured person Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna tell you like when i'm lit i look like ralphie from the Christmas story <laughs> to 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 live because I get so freaking cold and I don't know if it's cuz I think it's cuz my limbs are so long could like, be you know yep. um but if I can get to the point where and actually with with what I know that's coming for 19 it's a game changer, a big, big game changer. Big game changer. For, I mean, I'm just letting everyone know it is a game changer for everyone from October to December. It's a game changer. Um, but even with what isn't part of that realm, I'm curious to see how much it changes the way that I can pack and how efficient I can be when I travel. I, I have no doubt we can get you dialed in. And there there's it, it could be, you know, limb length. It could be circulation. So, you know, just all the time I've spent out in the cold, like yeah. my hands get cold prematurely, uh-huh. like probably from frost nip, et cetera. But, like, I can counter that because I understand what, what the mechanism is that causes that yeah. and how to, and you know, what I can do to, 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 to kind of make that uh, a non-issue. What is it? Well, so like your core, like the, the, you know, your limbs get cold, but it originates from your core. Oh yeah. So if yeah. you, if you heat your core properly, yeah. Yeah. like it's the hotter and you the keep, furnace, and you obviously. Keep, right. And you keep that loop going, right. And you keep that loop circulating, then that's going to help that. You know, I mean, obviously at a certain point, gloves, et cetera, yeah. but, um, you know, a lot of people don't, uh, they kind of disregard like what's on their head. Yeah. And quite frankly, and, and we're, I'm not a whitetail category manager, but yeah. I'll speak to it. Um, but when you're sitting in a tree stand, you're standing on a, on a, uh, a metal cold stand. metal grate, <laughs> yeah. like I insulate the grate and immediately reduce conductive heat loss yeah like all those things like it's nutrition it's hydration like like this is a journey that you know people like a lot of like nobody's really kind of gone into it right because it's it's uh it's a little in depth it's 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 i would argue i would say it's not too difficult to understand but like but there's a lot to it like and some people don't push themselves to that extreme like if when I had to go to the peninsula and I had to get dropped on a plane and the plane was coming back in 10 days. Yep. And I had to pack 50 pounds or less. Okay. That's different. And I figured out how to do that. When I have to sit in a tree stand, regardless of how warm or cold it is, for 13 hours Mm -hmm. figure out a way to do it so i think once people have to do that then they realize wait a minute i've got a huge gap here yeah like if this is what i have to do i don't think i could do it and then that's when gear 
literally, you know, clothing, that's when clothing becomes gear, which is your tagline. It makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, it does. Because it it becomes a game changer at that point. Because if, if, if it's truly to a point of survival, at some levels, it's not going to happen with certain systems or certain combinations. It's not yeah. going to happen. Well, I taught it for 20 years. I taught, I taught survival at a, I'll call a very high level. And uh, right where the, like failure was not an option. And, you know, you just learn to, you, you, you learn to understand what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no BS. There's no marketing. Like it's like, this is what works. This is what doesn't. There's well, I'm going to no ask compromise. you to not, like, don't be humble for one minute. I, I'm, 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 okay. Yeah. For one minute, just don't be humble and, <laughs> and talk. For one minute, say what, like, what you taught was for yeah. So I, I so I, arguably yeah. I, arguably, I, I, I fucking taught w- spec ops guys to go into the mountains the most, that they'd never been into. Yeah, and go in unsustained, live and come out when the mission was complete. No compromise, hundred percent. Like they had to do it. They in had the to live. They had to survive. They had to keep their head in the game. Like there was no bullshit. Yeah, and like this was like life and death literally and so we went out and we tried and experimented and tested and found what worked and what didn't and what didn't work fucking went the way the dodo right and what worked went forward and then we taught that and we hammered it home and we taught it and we taught it and we taught it and we trained it because compromise it just couldn't it couldn't happen right because you're talking like we're not talking about killing the mule deer we're talking about you know, the, the life and death of a country. Here. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's my little spiel. But at the end of the day, like, you learn what worked and you yeah. learn what didn't. And so that was my background. In so the then, most extreme In the most elements. extreme elements. Like, there is nothing, there, there's no, like, well, the weather's bad, I'm not going to go hunt. There's, like, the weather's bad, it's a good time to go kill fucking bad guys. Yeah. Let's go because they're not going to expect it. Yeah. So we go. Yeah. Right? And uh, and so that's what we did. That's what we trained. That's what we built. That's what we that's what we kind of figured out for 20 years. Yeah. And so I was able to take that. And obviously, it's not the same experience. But if you're on a sheep hunt and you're spending a lot of money and you're in Alaska or BC or Yukon, mm-hmm. like the last thing you want to do is go, no, I can't take the shot because I'm cold and shivering. Yeah. Like you want to go, no, I can do this. Yeah. I've got what I need. I'm okay. It's raining. It's snowing. It's blowy, whatever. Or ideally you just look comfortable enough. No one even asks you. I can do this. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. What I like to say is it takes an active participation of the user, i.e. whoever buys the product, whoever buys into the system has to put a little bit of effort in to using it training in it understanding what works for them and then they're they're going to be they're going to be so far ahead of where they thought they'd ever be yeah i i used to hunt in northern missouri with a couple really good friends we had a we had a lease right like 10 miles from iowa and uh first year i killed a buck second year killed a buck and these guys didn't right and they're like well you're not a better hunter than us and you're not tougher than us so what is it and I'm like, because I can go to my tree stand at 7 in the morning or whenever, you know, and I can sit till 6 at night. Yeah. And they're like, well, how can you do that with three layers of clothing on? And I said, because it's not what I'm wearing. It's how I'm layering it, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the right layers. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, am, I am increasing my opportunity of harvest because I'm there that much longer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. for three years in a row, John, and this is, Insane. I'm not a very successful whitetail hunter, right? But I'm stubborn as hell. And so for three years in a row, I killed three bucks between 11.45 and noon. My in favorite a, time. Three years in a row. Oh, yeah. Everybody else was back at camp. Yep. And I'm like, nope, not getting down. Going to sit here. I'm fine. I'm not shivering. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% ready to shoot. Truthfully, normally by and then I you're took, hot. And I, exactly. And I <laughs> normally by because, then you're shedding layers. And, you know, and, and those guys learned it, and they're not that way anymore. But 
they got there, they were cold, they shivered, you know, they got through, oh, I got it through to like eight, nine o'clock and I get out of the stand and I'm like, I'm just getting in my prime, right? Yeah, I stand and, up and about 9.30 there's, is when I stand up. There's so much to it, like hydration equals thermoregulation, right? Calories equal uh, heat heat uh, generation, like all these things. And I'm just like, 11.45, noon, like three years in a row, I'm killing bucks. And I finally got them in the right system. And they started finding success because they weren't just trying to gut out two or three hours. They're like, oh, I'm going to sit here all 11 hours, 12 yeah. hours, 13 hours. Yep. And, you know, that time of year, because we would hunt in November. Yeah. Like, it's all about time on stand. Yeah. It's all about time on stand. That's what I tell people. I'm like, you need, like, you shouldn't be thinking, is this a morning hunt or an evening hunt? If you go on a rut hunt for whitetail, you need to say, I'm going on a 40-hour hunt. I think that's a great way to approach it, especially. No, if you say, I'm going to If go I'm a traveling a, hunter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. If you say, I'm going to go on a 40-hour hunt, then what you need to do as you're sitting in the stand is just deduct hours. And if you're on a five-day hunt, you just start saying, Okay, I got 32 hours. You know, I've got eight hours in. I've Actually, I've never thought in. about it like that, yeah. but that's a great... Yeah, that's what I that's do. That's a great way to approach it. I mean, my math is a little higher. Mine's 30 times 12. <laughs> <laughs> so every day I'm deducting, like, okay, I got 370 hours left. I got 300, mm-hmm. you know, I got 349 hours left. I Okay, today I've got 337. Like, that's... All I'm doing is deducting, deducting, because if all you're going to do is look at the fact of 13-hour day, yeah, no, just get through an hour, take it off the, take it off the chalkboard, get through an hour, take it off the chalkboard. No, take, it's a, it's a great way to approach it, and I, you know, I know we're trying to talk big game systems, but the only way I've found success in whitetail woods is to put the hours in yeah and the only way i've been able to put the hours in is to have the right system and so you know when i'm on like hour 11 of day nine and that buck comes by at 40 yards i need to have a system where i can i mean my cognitive function is there yeah you're not suffering i can draw my bow because i'm warm i have the flexibility and i can make the shot because that's the one opportunity i'm going to get all year yeah right and for most of us who have to travel to the whitetail woods, like that's the reality of whitetail hunting, right? Well, it's it goes beyond that though because I bet I could name over a dozen animals I've killed in Alberta between eleven and two o'clock. Yeah, wow. Muleys. If you want, if you don't see a muley in the morning, then you need to be. Where you know muleys are from 12 to 1. Because as soon as that sun gets on them. shift, yeah. And it gets on them, all of a sudden you're just sitting there looking at this. You're looking at like five miles of canola and wheat and whatever else. And you're like, yep, I was here at first light. There's not been a single muley, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden it's just like, boop, one stands up. I love that One stands up. And they pick around a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit. You get your marks. You're like, where is it? Okay, there's the tree, blah, blah, blah. And then they shift around. They get into a shadow, and boop, they go down. Right down. And it's like, okay, well, now now I have two or three hours to maneuver to wait for the evening movement. Mm -hmm. And you can get within striking range. Yep. But those guys that are back at camp during that time, I mean, I've shot, I remember I shot an elk. um, It was about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And this is August, I think it was maybe August 26th. Um, I shot a bull that came running, running to a cow call. And literally he was so worked up that i shot him and he ran past me and stood next to my camera guy which was calling 
and blood was squirting out of the bowl onto his shoe, <laughs> and then it died. Like he came, he came running up to me, stopped to like hear where the call was, and I shot, <clears throat> and he started to run, and then the the camera guy naturally called right away. And he just veered up and came like right up and stood right, wow. like literally stood next to him at a tree. And he was like looking around and then ran and fell over. And it was like one o'clock. Yeah. I mean, I've shot bears, elk, muleys, whitetails. I would say everything. Between. We should probably not tell people this, but I mean, honestly, I've found a lot of success during the times of day that people aren't in the woods. The first elk I ever shot in Montana was at 1130 in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, today. And he just came in and walked to 13 yards and what, just. What time did Jonathan and I land? One o'clock. This is funny. So um, the moon, each night that I've been shooting with Sharon in the evening, and the moon has been like pretty much vertical hmm. at shooting time. So I would assume just based on that, it's probably just appearing on the minor, which is on the horizon. The minor is the horizon. Minor, the minor axis is the horizontal horizon. The major is the vertical figure at north and south pole is what we consider major. Minor is east, west. Just think of it that way. But anyway, um, today when we came, we can't see because there's – it's pretty smoky, but at one o'clock we saw I think three muleys feeding up and walking around feeding, and it's like well the moon is at a major at like seven at night, so mm -hmm. it's like just starting to come up on mm -hmm. the horizon during that midday, and that is a very very valid thing to pay attention to. I mean, super valid to pay attention to is what that moon's doing because that midday movement for rutting whitetails, the midday movement happens a lot of times because animals are rutting all through the night and then they bed down and they're just tired and they need time. Then they get back up and they're on their feet again, which is pretty common for late morning movement. Um, but the moon throughout the rest of the year affects that majorly in, in, Lanai, when Sharon and I were there, we hunted a few days by ourselves, and you know we were like, okay, uh, or I should say, I was like, okay, these are the times when we're probably going to see yeah. something because I pay attention to when the moon is coming up on the horizon or when the moon is approaching the fall, the is falling to the horizon on the opposite side. Any any of those two when it's on the minor is actually best, and I have a article for uh, Peterson's bow hunting that's coming out this next month. That's pretty, it's on that path, and it's pretty um, it's pretty amazing because I found a I find I found a bass fishing study that actually parallels huh. what Interesting. my historical, just my historical, I guess success. Um, because there are people that ha that are skeptics on like what the moon does to yeah. like big game hunting, which I think's well. I'm all about people not believing it because that's just less people in the woods <laughs> when I'm out because I know it is true. But um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. I don't have the stats, but it was um, it was pretty staggering. Yeah, I don't have my phone with me, but it was staggering. Well, you know, but to go back to, like, the clothing systems and stuff, it's like the more time you can spend out there and not just, like, spend out there gutting it out, but, like, spend out in the woods engaged. Yeah. Like, you're going, you like, statistically, you're going to be more successful. Oh, yeah. And and then, let you know, we're taking time off from work, all this kind of stuff. Like, you want to enjoy yourself. Like, not that it's a party all the time. But you don't want to be miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the more you can do to put the odds in your favor, and I like to say the clothing system is your number one line to defense. Oh, yeah. Like, you're going to— If you're to, miserable, you're not going to no, be there. No, like, never. Like, you're done. Never. You're just not. You're just not. So, um, it, it'll be it'll be really cool. Like, I'm, I'm 
I'm excited to kind of like be on this journey with you and yeah and kind of like help you out and educate you and, and and the followers and stuff and just try to help people like get educated really mm-hmm. and I mean I'll give examples and and exact you know exact things that I wear but um but just to like educate them enough that they can go and explore and experiment and like find exactly what works for them right yeah so your system is going to be different than potentially Andy's then is going to be potentially different from mine right yeah but it, they're not Andy's, wrong. Andy's a little warmer than right, I am. Right, so am naturally. I. Right, so it's so it sounds like I'm like I run a little hotter, but um, but you're not wrong. Yeah, you just have to figure out what works for you. But that's the cool thing about a Sika system is we offer enough that everybody's going to be able to find exactly what works for them. Yep. Yeah. And it is. I mean, one of the if I'm honest, which I try to be honest with my listeners, one of the toughest parts about this was I did know that Sika isn't cheap. I mean, it's an investment. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of people that I know that they save a long time to buy an Octuit. You know, they Mm -hmm. save a long time to buy a fletching jig and they're going to save that long just to buy the pant or the jacket. So, you know, part of me was like, well, man, it's, you know, do I want to go down a route where it's not like an instant switch that everyone can flip? But my nature is when I know something is better, you know, a perfect example of that. Um, I built a bow, this bow that I built um, for Jonathan. Uh he sent me his accessories off his old bow and it's a Sherlock sight. 15 <laughs> years old. Yeah. 15 years old. And he told me, he's like, at the, he's like, Sherlock was the best. Like it was the best. And on my last podcast I just did with John Severson, mm-hmm. he actually talked about the exact same thing. And he's like, it took me a long time to be able to buy a Sherlock, but I knew a Sherlock was the best. And the same can be said with bows. I mean, the, the the exact same can be said with bows. The same can be said with guns. The same can be said with a watch. Yep. E- everything. Yep. And in the end, I just started thinking, okay, yeah, is is it is it something that, some people aren't going to be able to afford, sure. But there's also people out there that are like, you know what, I want to, I would rather invest in one system and know exactly how it works instead of trying to buy three or four or five things that I honestly don't even know how they work. And on top of all that, if you go on a hunt where all of a sudden a guide puts limitations of what you can bring, yeah. Now you're dicked. Yep. Cuz now you got three different sets, which is kind of what I went through the very first time uh I went to Alaska. It's like, oh, 50 pounds. Like it, like that's all you can put on this little yeah. super cup. Start to pick. Yeah, 50 pounds. So you're like looking at this thing, you got all this stuff on the scale and you're like, "Whoa. Okay. What am I picking out of here that's like 11 pounds i gotta get off this scale (laughs) but yeah i mean you guys are doing that homework and obviously um you're one division one department of that which i value um and i think i think as we go along i want to make it a point to it's like okay this is early season what do we do like today then uh, hey we're later on in september we're starting to get to some colder weather we're maybe not moving as much we're having to be where elk are coming to we're having you know it's not like we're running and gunning all day long and so what's that outfit and then it's okay we're into whitetail season what is early whitetail season we're sitting in the stand it's probably warm and then what happens once we get into early november what happens late season? Like, and that's where Chris is going to, Chris and Josh will come in yep, and yep. start being able to educate on that. But I think this will be a really cool path. 
And in the end, um, hopefully, uh, all the people out there are going to just appreciate the fact that I'm trying to educate as we go. It's an education platform nonetheless, um, nonetheless, and we're going to, we're going to grow and get better together. I mean, honestly, even, even if you're not going to be a sick consumer, I would think that there's super valid points that you're going to, you're going to be able to bring the light about what you do have and what you can't afford. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah, well, you know, one of my points is I, I, I want to educate the consumer, the hunting consumer. Um, you know, if they choose to invest, and that's the word I like to use with Sitka. I mean, I have a guides that wear this 250 days a year. They wear our products 250 days a year, and they're getting two and three years yeah. worth of use out of it, right? <clears throat> so it's an investment, but... But if they choose to invest in us or not, I want to help them in their journey and try to figure out what's best for them. Yep. And so no matter what they pick, like I want them to build a system. And I like to say exercise that system that is going to suit like their use, the way they hunt, where they hunt, predominantly, you know, the species they hunt, um, and, and just help them get them dialed in. And, you know, I don't, I don't think there's enough of that right now yeah. where people are like, Hey man, like, or, or, or woman, you know, gal, like you need this, like, this is what you need. This is how it works. This is how it all integrates. And, and so hopefully, um, you know, what we're able to do over the next couple of months is like really just dial people in and go, yeah. yeah, that's what I need. That's exactly what I need for where I hunt. That's what I want. I want to simplify it. I want to be able to say, I do too. Boom. Here's, here's the core pieces. Here's what they do. And then obviously with you, you're going to say, here's why I designed them that way. 100%. Yeah. With Chris, um, there'll be some limitations because what's new on that aspect will be coming in 19. Um, yep. But January, yeah. not too far away. It's really not. <laughs> and it's going to be freaking sweet. It was a big carrot that was dangled in front of me. Yeah. Once I saw it, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't want to not have this. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but that's but that's but that's important for people to know that yeah. there was something out there. You're like, mm -hmm. it was. This could actually help me kill that next level buck, right? Oh, it will. It yeah. will. The yeah. hunt, I I I agree. Absolutely, I agree. So especially the conditions that we just talked about. It'll, right. It'll happen. Yep. No, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the journey. I'm I'm super stoked, Dud, that you are on board and um yeah that we can do this together and it's yeah, gonna be exciting be, it it's gonna be exciting we've for got the some, tribe yeah and we've got some cool hunts that we're gonna push the envelopes on too yeah yeah we've got some some cool hunts where we're we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we're putting our money where our mouth is yeah you no, know, we're gonna I be redline for the next <laughs> couple weeks for sure <laughs> yep all right, everybody. Well, hopefully you uh, enjoyed this podcast. I would call it Sika 101. And, uh, yeah, we're going to check out of here. Got some ribs coming in. And what else did you cook? Chicken. Ch oh, gosh. Stuffed, uh, stuffed mushrooms. Broccoli zucchini mix. <laughs> oh, man. I can't remember all of it. All right, everyone. Caprice. Well, <laughs> I love you guys, but I'm out of here. <laughs> Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com. <laughs>